Alex Hitchcock. Welcome to the Jazz Podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Rob. What, what an absolute pleasure. Mm. I've just realised I started the show eating an orange, which is yeah. A- I could, I could hear, but I guess you've got quite a loyal sort of a loyal core support of listeners who don't mind that kind of thing. Uh, they've gotten used to ridiculous poor behaviour and mm. um, shoddy editing, so I think we're okay. That's always quite endearing, actually, isn't it? When it when it comes over in a podcast, I think I think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah, this show there shouldn't be a feeling of pretense because, uh, or is that the right way to say it? If if you're being pretentious about something pretense oh a feeling of pretense if you're being well i think yeah i think you're definitely not being being pretentious by eating an olive uh, an orange you just come across as a as a lovely sort of down-to-earth kind of guy (laughs) so alex tell us who you are tell us everything um all right well i'm a i'm I'm a saxophonist i'm primarily a tenor saxophonist and i live and work primarily in london and i lead my own group which is at the moment called the alex hitchcock quintet which uh uh, I've, I've got some reservations about, I suppose, not about the band, but just about how you how you name that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and then I kind of I'm, I mainly play with the sort of London community of musicians. Um, playing a couple of other bands as well. Uh, fantastic band called Resolution Eighty Eight, led by uh, Tom O'Grady, which is pretty deep into the Herbie Hancock thing, um, and then the Patchwork Jazz Orchestra, and then um, I've got a quintet with Tom Barfoot, who's a wonderful um, tenor sax player. Yeah. Uh, and kind of all, all that kind of stuff, really. So we're doing a big time preview of your album this morning. Yeah. Um, Bank Holiday Monday. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm sure that all the, these these loyal listeners we refer to, everyone's sitting at home, reading the paper, drinking a coffee, itching for a jazz podcast to come out. And Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And unbelievably, that's what's going to happen. So you're going to put this out. You're going to put this out today. Instantly. Fantastic! Instantly, yeah. all right. I'll be, re- I'll, be, I'll be really careful about what I say and second guess everything. Yeah, good, good, and try to offend no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so your album, it's yes. called Live at Cambridge and London Jazz Festival. Yes, uh, formerly uh, live at the London and Cambridge Jazz Festivals. If, if okay, I'm being, I'm being really sticky just because the London one came first. Um, I don't know why I pick you up on that. No, it's good. Uh, but I have. And I, I should know these back. things. I've got one job to do here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we recorded that. So the London the London recording of that was in 2016. Um, and then the Cambridge Festival recording was about a year later, um, right. last last November. And there's only two tracks from each. It's a little EP. Um, but I'm really... Oh, cool. So I have... We, we're going to be able to hear bits of all of it during this show. Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I... I, it's, it runs it runs about 40 minutes so i think you, you might get quite a broad sort of coverage of, of the oh, four amazing of the four tracks that's on it the first one i played before we started was was i'm not sure how to pronounce it um and i could have asked oh. you off air but I'm... <laughs> um Wojciech, i think right i, think I like that, that. i one, think <laughs> that, that, oh, that's, that's the one you're talking about isn't it yes um yeah, that was um that that originally had a that that had a different name that that was originally called You Like That, um, which was a, a little uh, Alan Partridge homage where he sort of reverses reverses car through a barren parking lot and sort of screams through a half open window. You like that, but um, no one gets that reference at all. Wow. Um, so that that died, and then we decided to um, name it after 
this fantastic Polish guy we met on a gig in Krakow, um, one of our less well-attended gigs uh, <laughs> we, we, we've ever done as a band. And it was a, it was a really nice club, actually, but uh, it was it was pretty sparse for the first set, at least. And um, we were just staying upstairs uh, in, in, in the little hotel, and he was bringing us uh, shots of the of really really nice polish vodka small shots but very pure you know the kind of it doesn't like burn when it hits yeah. the back of your throat um, and he would just be bringing us these these shots throughout um throughout the first and second set um actually and it was it, essentially on the basis that once we'd found a break in the music to drink ours then he'd go back to the bar um, and and sort of top them up, which right. doesn't make us sound incredibly professional, actually, does it? <laughs> as, as, as I say, it wasn't it wasn't the best attended gig we ever had, and, and and I think he was doing a really nice thing. Um, and he took us out afterwards anyway to this nice um, this nice communist bar in Prakow uh, where they exclusively sold um, limoncello and steak tartare, and sort of um, just showed us a really good time. And wow. when I tried to when I tried to buy a round of drinks, he went, "It's my night." Um, and absolutely refused that I would do that. And then uh, he got, uh, well, we all had a bit to drink, and that was the point at which he showed us his loaded gun um, and <laughs> that he had sort of tucked into the waistband of his jeans and then his full magazine, do you call it a magazine? Yeah. Um, his full magazine in, on the other side of his trousers. And I just sort of realised that there's there's a possibility he might listen to this because we're still in touch. Um, so I hope that everything I've said just thinking back on it is respectful, which I think it is. Yeah, it's all cool. Yeah, no, and we no, named a tune after him. Nothing like some shots of vodka before playing with firearms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was it, it, that was just a really nice, um, I guess the serious reason why we called it that as well is just because that was a really sort of formative experience as a band actually going away for those gigs in, in Krakow and Budapest. Um, yeah last it was in september and um, so i just yeah i kind of just wanted to incorporate that into into what we're playing regularly on gigs you know oh yeah so let's check out a bit of gift horse So, who's in the band? Um, are we? Uh, so, is that the point at which we're going to play the track and then we're going to <laughs> we're going to talk some more? <laughs> yeah, I just put the track in and everyone listens to it, and it sounds as if what we've done is like make a radio show. Fantastic! 
completely confused by that. I don't know whether I was expecting to sit and listen through the entirety of the track. Sorry. I don't, oh, it's brilliant. I don't have the power to play it down um, down the laptop to you. I don't even know. My technical uh, knowledge begins and ends with just recording a call. Okay. So, well, fair, fair enough. So presumably it's, it's been played now. Mm. Yeah, and we look really smooth and professional. Fantastic. And hopefully you cut all this bit out at the end. Um, Oh, yeah. It's long gone. (laughs) Um, Okay, you can ask me that question again. So who's in the band? Um, So there's James Copas on trumpet and flugelhorn, and then Will Barry on piano, Joe Downards on the bass, and Jay Davis on the drums, who most of those I think will be familiar to followers of the London scene, um, at least, and then various members of the band have obviously... Um, doing lots of other things as well and they tend to get sort of all up and down the country and a little bit mm. broad as well um, and all coming from slightly different musical di- directions as well within within one quite specific musical direction I suppose yeah yeah Jay has been on once before with uh, Big Bad Wolf great um, on that album preview the four of them were in a hotel room together in Austria so oh, nice yeah a very well coordinated interview you can imagine <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't heard the Big Bad Wolf one. Was that was fairly recent? That was that was one of that. Yeah, I guess everything's quite recent because the pod's not very old. Well, yeah. within the last year. Within the last year, exactly. Um, that was what made me sort of fall in love with the idea of these album previews. Is I was just so excited when I heard the album. I didn't know what to do. Oh man. Um, yeah, that's quite. That's quite a. Um, that's quite a, both a creative outlet for your excitement and one that's quite helpful to the people that are putting the album out as well. Yeah, it's kind of useful when you remember that you have a podcast. Yeah. Um, it's like, hey, I can actually do something constructive with my time. That's great. So um, what made you choose the guys that you ended up, like, why James, for instance? Because James has quite a prominent role on the album, um, on the trumpet. You know, is that yeah. is that just from studying together and playing together loads? Yeah, just just from studying together. And James's um, James's sound particularly is is um, out of kind of all the trumpet players I've really played with is the one that I feel best able to uh, blend with. Right, um, quite a lot of the writing. I, I kind of I'm not sure how conscious it was, but one of, one of the things I, I I try to make quite prominent in the writing is that sort of fairly high register trumpet and sax uh, unison uh, yeah. because I think it's kind of got that sort of synth like sound and it's not necessarily a laziness thing for not writing harmony lines for myself to play under James it is a little bit of that but it's it's also like I kind of wanted that to be a, a feature of the a feature of the band that sort of blend with James and then um, obviously his his sort of the the power of his soloing kind of speaks for itself um so i think he's quite yeah he's quite unique amongst amongst trumpet players um in that he's got that very he's got that sort of restrained power in the sound but it's also very supple uh as well and it can kind of go in any direction quite unexpectedly um which is something that i've always liked in trumpet players in particular so i guess that's why him yeah nice um and the the keys who is on keys again uh, that's Will Barry. Ah, uh, yes. So, is he playing like a a Rhodes or a Nord? Or yeah, he's playing he's, on those London recordings. He's playing a Nord, um, and then I think when we when we went into a studio, hopefully he'd be playing he'd be playing a Rhodes. Um, so yeah, and again, I think that just completely changes the the sound of the music between the two um, between the two recordings. The fact that he's on that he's on the electric piano for one and the acoustic piano on on the other. Yeah, because um, I think he's he's a he's a player that's quite attuned to 
the instrument that he's playing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it'll, I think it often, well, I don't know, you'd have to ask him, but I think it sounds like it makes him consider the choices he's making and sometimes make different choices, which is really nice. Um, especially when he has uh, the option of playing both electric and acoustic pianos on the gig. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The, that that road sound on the Nord sounds amazing. It's so it's so authentic to what it is, and it's a great like melody instrument as well. You know, um, yeah, it really sticks out on a Go few on. of those tracks um, beautifully. Have you ever listened to the Chris Potter Underground Quartet? Yeah, I have, and a little bit. That's the one with Adam Rogers, isn't it? And Craig yeah, because yeah, Craig Tableon plays Rhodes on there, and it sounds. Yeah. You know, it's if they don't have a bass in that lineup, they just the Rhodes mm-hmm. just does everything. Yeah, yeah, that Rhodes bass sound is great, isn't it? That, yeah, it's cool. Sort of, you, you get that sort of percuss- percussive thing coming through at the bottom of the at the bottom of the keyboard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's cool, and it's yeah, it's cool. So, um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah, what made you decide to release this as an EP? Um, there's, I suppose, there's a, there's there's musical reasons and there's practical reasons. Um, the musical reasons, I think, it's quite nice just to have a snapshot. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I think we've only been going for come come two years, um, so I really like the idea of kind of getting a little musical snapshot early on in our career of two gigs, two years apart, um, and you don't, you know, you don't delve particularly deeply into the gigs because you've only got you've only got two cuts from each. But I do think there's this kind of sense of, if not progression, then there's just a sense of development between the recordings of two years ago and the recordings of six months ago yeah um, so i think putting it out as an ep made sense and then we recorded both gigs and some of my favorite albums are live albums um so i just i think it kind of made made sense just to put a snapshot of that out there rather than just letting that get lost oh it's wonderful it's so rare as well i completely agree with you all my favorite albums are live ones yeah and it just feels so good it feels so energetic and Absolutely. And I think I think you, you kind of forgive and also kind of embrace any roughness around the edges that comes yeah. with live albums because it's, it's, it's not necessarily more honest than a studio album because lots of people, well, it's not necessarily more honest than a studio album, I don't think. But I do like the idea that there's just very, very minimal sort of post-editing that, that goes into it and it, yeah. and it is what it is. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. I really, I really like that sort of rawness to it, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to get that with my album. We just went all the way through in one go and that's it. And Oh, wow. You know, yeah. So it, it is a little raw, even though it's a studio, but I love that feeling. That Are there, po- are there points at which you're kind of, you're, you're tempted to, oh, I want to go back and, and change that thing because that, that would make it perfect. But then you want to, you also want to commit to the way that you're doing it. You have to stop yourself doing that. Yeah. You know, actually that feeling came when we started trying to play lots of gigs and I would start, pining for what happened last time and that kind of ruined it so i thought if i take away that option then i'll then it'll just be very uh peaceful experience mentally because you don't have that choice of being like oh what what about this thing like that was really cool that's really yeah you're just stuck with it i I like the tension and that's what you get on a live album as well like you really think about what you're playing because there's no going back and editing out like one bad note that you played while leaving everyone else in because it just doesn't work that way yeah of course 
Well, I also wonder on this particular CD whether there's, I mean, the Lon- when, <laughs> when we recorded the London gig, we didn't know it was going to go on a CD, when, whereas when we recorded the Cambridge gig, we did. Right. Um, so I wonder, if, I wonder if that affects the, the two sort of the two recordings in any way. Um, Interesting. When are you putting yours out? Um, like probably uh, June next year. Great. I'm waiting for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Oh, amazing. Because it's uh, like all NASA audio runs all the way through it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, and when you, when you did it on gigs, I'm asking you now. When you, when, oh, when yes. You, when, when, you, when you did it on gigs, how easy did you find it was to sort of like let go when you heard, when you, you know, when you wanted specific things to happen and they didn't happen or new things mm. happened and they did? Yeah, horrible. I found it really hard to let go. <laughs> and then we stopped playing it because I couldn't bear what I was becoming. You know, before gigs being like, hey, remember last time, you know, after 12 minutes, you did this cool little, like, you played a B or whatever, you know, it's, yeah. that's not the point. So tend to try and gig it in really, like, spaced apart intervals so that you can't remember anything that happened. I see. That's clever. That's a great excuse for not having any gigs as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of think it's, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's like, it's quite therapeutic, isn't it? I think doing that, if, if you're doing, because this is the, the first time I've led a band on a on a run of gigs that are like spaced quite close together yeah um, and that idea of just like totally having and wanting to just completely let go and see see what happens and not try and dictate what happens because i think always have the impulse to do that a little bit if it's your music yeah and then I, and I think i'm trying to like i'm trying to learn i'm trying to learn not to do that oh good i'm glad it's not just me that's really interesting yeah, I think you just like I, I'm. I'm happy, you know trying to trying to learn to let go of the control freak bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. So let's listen to some of context. I've done that thing again where we pretend it played. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah, I was totally silent for that bit because I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt your, your sort of slick segue out of the music where you where you take it down. I like that slick segue. That's me. I tell you what, you may or may not want to put this in, but I was listening to uh, oh, I was listening to a live broadcast from a jazz festival quite recently, and um, they were they were broadcasting some bits live festival and then they were also playing some Duke Ellington because like it was just a live show from the festival not everything needed to be actually at the festival it was just coming live from um and at the end of this beautiful Duke tune it was like morning glory or something the um the radio presenter faded it down and used morning glory as a bed uh, to sort of talk over about the festival and that made me like swerve my car on the motorway <laughs> 
not that I, you know, not that I'm, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think of myself as particularly like, you, you can't touch this and, uh, as, a, as a complete purist, but I just thought that was a totally bizarre thing to do. Big time. It makes me really uncomfortable talking over music ever. I hate yeah. that. Why would you do it? What does it say about what you think about the music and what it's for? I know, and I've done it a few times on this show because it's really... <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. No, it's really... It's a... No, I know, but when I do it, I'm like, what am I doing? This is awful. And but... it's also not a coded... Um, it's not a coded request that you don't talk over my music, by the way. I think that... I think there's a difference between talking over mine and talking over talking over Duke. That's not that's not me finding a roundabout way. <laughs> no, to no, no. Don't, don't use my music as a bed. I'm completely with you that it's not it's not okay, and it's you know, it's but it but it yeah. I don't know. This is a moral dilemma that I play with on a weekly basis. Right. But generally, it's against Shit. it's yeah, in big time. Generally, it's against the rules. Um, you know, to do that unless we depends, you know, if I'm trying to trying to sell your music in really like quick, hard hitting fashion and you're like, Welcome to the jazz podcast and then like some some noodling happens, you know, it can can come across quite well. But Oh, uh, that's kind of cool. I yeah. think that's a slightly different thing. Yeah, yeah, that's I've done that on the on a few of the shows, but quite like normally normally I don't know, you know, you, you've, you've raised an extremely intriguing debate within me. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I hope yeah. I backtrack from it enough. <laughs> so let's, um, let's talk about how it is to record something that's live. Like, do you, who do you get involved to, to go about that? Um, so the first time in, in the London gig, it was, um, the very wonderful Victor Valarich Horvat, who uh, lives in Wickham and works at the university there. Um, and he came down and he recorded the sound uh, because Tom Sankey, the absolute legend that is Tom Sankey, was videoing um, the gig for some for some videos because he is an excellent videographer. Um, right. Do you know Tom? No, I don't. Okay, he's, he's kind of behind the that Good Evening series of gigs in, in South London. Oh, cool. Um, and he's great and he's super supportive. And yeah, so he was videoing the gigs and Victor was recording. And then Victor came and uh, recorded the Cambridge gig as well with a very minimal setup. It was like half, maybe, well, um, maybe an hour to set up and an hour to set down. It was, it was really quick, right. slick. And it kind of, it was actually nice to feel like there were, there weren't that many sort of strings attached to the recording of it, if that makes, if that makes sense. It didn't feel like a huge operation. Um, it was quite nice to do it as minimally as possible. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, so so that so that was that, um, and then Victor did all the mixing and mastering as well. So he's had a pretty big hand in in this record. Oh, amazing! So when is it out? Um, it's officially is out this Friday, um, and then we're launching it at the Pizza in London on Dean Street next Monday, next Monday the fourteenth. Oh, amazing! And and I suppose the one thing I, I should say from a purely plugging point of view is yes. at some point over this week, there will be uh, a little code for cheaper tickets, I think, for that pizza, for that pizza could going out. Um, and if you buy a ticket, you get a CD as well. Oh, wow. That's, that's about all the plugging that I'm going to limit myself to. Good deal. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Yeah. So um, this, uh, oh no, that thing's happened where I've forgotten everything. <laughs> what was I going to say to you? It was about the album Friday. 
that, oh, yeah, how can we buy it? That's the question people are you're supposed to ask that. Like, uh, where's it going to be, you know? Is, are you making physical prints? Yes. So there's there's a quite a limited physical run, uh, which we've been selling on the gigs. And then uh, you'll get one if you come to the pizza on Monday. Uh, but mm-hmm. you can also either download it digitally or um, buy a physical copy of the album on Bandcamp. Uh, it's only in CD form. The next one hopefully will be on vinyl, which I'm quite excited about. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how you can get hold of it. Or just give me a shout and I will send you one. Fabulous. Um, <laughs> um, so let's finish with happy ending. I'm going to let this play out. It'll sound really cool. Nice. Yeah. Alex, Fantastic. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Jazz Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Sweet. Sweet.